With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Not long now until Scotland play Israel in a must-win, do-or-die cup final, whatever you want to call it. Scotland have to beat Israel at Hamden in a couple of weeks' time if we want to go on and seize the playoff spot. I think that is the way that most fans are looking at it. We can stumble over the line if we draw or if Israel beat us. It's not fully over, but at the moment it's in our hands and to fully grab the situation and grab the playoff spot ahead of two games against Faroe Islands and Moldova. Scotland have to beat Israel, which is something Gordon Sheik and Ben Ramage alongside me, we have not been too good at doing over the last couple of years, sadly. Okay, so the squad has been announced. It's a Steve Clark squad. Not too many changes there whatsoever. Um, a couple of boys back from injury, which we'll look at in a moment. A couple of the fringe players have made way and there are a couple of injured boys, or at least one anyway, missing out in Greg Taylor, um, who's a more peripheral figure. Um, so no matter there. We'll come to you first, Ben, if you've got the squad there for your eyes to to have a wee glance over. Much ado about nothing. Yeah, I think the uh, the Steve Clark squad announcements are getting less and less exciting because they, uh, they pretty much just play out exactly as you expect. Um, the ones that sort of jumped out, I mean, Stuart Armstrong, I thought, was one of the most surprising calls given the lack of game time that he's he hasn't played a minute um, so far this season. But by all accounts, he's in uh, contention for the Chelsea game this weekend. So it looks like he's back back fully fit. McTominay coming back in is obviously a massive boost. Um, and with uh, Hanley suspended, I think that will come into play, obviously, in defence. Uh, yeah, apart from that, Hickey, I thought, was probably a wee bit unlucky not to not to get called in, you know, I wouldn't expect him to play in such a big game, but the way that he started for Bologna this season, I thought he could have been called into the squad and we could have had a proper look at him. But yeah, apart from that, I wouldn't say there was anything totally outrageous uh, as is Clark's general style. Having a look, Gordon, at some of the players that you would normally see around the Scotland squad that haven't made it for one reason or another. James Forrest, not fit enough yet. Ryan Jack, not fully back from injury. One interesting one, uh, Declan Gallagher, who's been around the squad for the best part of a year or so now. Um, in fact, longer than that, he played his debut against Cyprus away from home, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a couple of years, Declan Gallagher's been around the squad then. He's not involved this time. Uh, Paul McGinn, who was drafted in for a debut against Austria, he's not there. Greg Taylor's not there either. He's had an operation on his shoulder. What are you making of the ins and outs and the constants? Yeah, um, I, I think I would echo a lot of what a lot of what Ben said. You know, I think um, you're right. Steve Clark uh, squad announcements are not particularly exciting, but 
to me, that's absolute music to my ears because this is an incredibly settled group of players. You know, this is very much the same group of players we had last month and it's the same group of players we had at the Euros and they've been working together, they've been developing together and hopefully we're starting to now see that come through in better performances and better results as we very much did in, in Austria and we just need to keep that going with Israel, you know. But but then again, though, having said that it's a settled squad, let's not forget that it has actually been evolving over time, you know, bit by bit, incrementally, you know. I mean, look back to the start of this qualifying campaign and Grant Hanley was make, effectively making a second debut for Scotland at the start of this campaign. <laughs> he hadn't played for us for three years, you know. And Billy Gilmore hadn't played for us ever. Shea Adams hadn't played for us ever. Those three guys are now absolutely pivotal members of this squad. So there has been incremental development in the team. Um, but I think consistency is very good. Um, I think I would echo what Ben says, that the worry a bit, I guess, is these guys who who aren't bringing a lot of match practice into it. You know, McTominay's been out injured, Armstrong's been injured, McGregor's been injured, Fraser's been injured. So, but as as Clark said in his, his announcement press conference, you know, you make, you make a squad announcement and there's still at least one or two games between now and the squad getting together. You know, we've got Europa League games tonight. We've got league games at the weekend. So hopefully there's plenty of time for some of these guys to get some minutes. Well, Grant Hanley's uh, suspended for the Israel game. So straight away, yes, Gordon, quite rightly identifying that Hanley's now a pivotal part of the furniture in the Scotland defence and probably the spine of the team generally. Um, he's become that important over a short space of time. It's hard to imagine that five or six years ago, if Grant Hanley being suspended uh, would bring any sort of uh, pessimism or regret. I mean, it would probably have been cheered in a lot of quarters if the fact if Grant Hanley picked up too many yellow cards and was forced to miss a game. But no, no longer the case. Absolutely, no longer the case. So with him suspended for the Israel game, and I think next week because there's bound to be one or two pullouts and a few people will be drafted in. So we'll do a proper Israel preview next week, but. With him missing for the first game, who from that uh, defense, who from the defensive options comes in? I suppose it's Cooper, Hendry, or McKenna um, would be the, the other one, and that would come in as the centre of defence with either you know, Tierney on the left and then probably McTominay on the right. But he's listed as a midfielder in the squad. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think Hendry is another one that. You know, a year or two ago, kind of like Hanley, you wouldn't have been expecting to be such a big part for his country. But you look at how he started uh, his career in Bruges, uh, the Champions League, the last few games. It's been such an incredible turnaround for him. And I think he has the skill and the sort of presence about him that he could play that centre-back role with. And that would allow McTominay to come back in at right centre-back. We've had the debate before about whether that defence is strong enough when you've got Tierney on the left side and McTominay on the right side, neither of them sort of out-and-out centre-backs. But I think against Israel, we're going to need to attack. We're going to need to bring the ball out. Um, so I would have Hendry in that centre-back position with McTominay just on the right-hand side, as long as he's fit in it. Remember, though, Callum McGregor might not be fit. He's uh, what remains to be seen if he's going to be involved in any way for Celtic this evening against uh, Leverkusen. But he's been injured for a couple of weeks. And I wonder if Clark will put Scott McTominay up into midfield, play Hendry on the right side of the defence and bring in either McKenna or Cooper at the centre. Because although Hendry's hit the ground running at Brugge and they, they've been getting some good results in Europe, they, they're doing well in the league, I think, since he came in. He's a different type of defender, Gordon, to Grant Hanley. Um, I think that... The reason that Grant Hanley is quite good there is because he is an absolute flat-out brick wall defender, not a, a defender who prioritises his ability with his feet. And I would probably class McKenna as the closest to him in the squad. Yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on. I, th- I think you know we've 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 spoken a lot in recent months about how nice that balance of the back three is when you do have the sort of stopper in the middle and then the two passers on the outside of him. I think especially considering the fact that we're playing at home against Israel, you know, the best way to defend against a team like Israel is to keep the ball away from them, you know, and we're really going to have to be able to build the ball from the back, build through defence into midfield and start attacks that way. So it is, it's essential that we do have good passers at the back there. I think Jack Hendry has almost made himself undroppable in the team, whether it's at the right side of centre-back or maybe he slots in 
in the center. Um, one one point actually that I did see uh, Andy Lang, the artist formerly known as Alba Matter, make on Twitter today was if you look back at some of the goals that we've conceded against Israel in recent times, it's generally been quick movement, pacey attackers, quick passing through the middle. So maybe having guys who are a bit quicker over the ground might not be a bad thing at the back. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really difficult, but I think again, Clark's not hopefully won't want to make too many changes to what has become a winning, a winning formula. And in midfield then, do you hope to see McTominay there? I'm honestly not sure. I think when you look back at some of the goals that we conceded against Israel, I'm, I think some. I think I'm right in saying that some of them have come when McTominay has been on that right-hand side, and just his general positioning and awareness in centre back, where where established centre back would know and maybe judge those runs better. He's been Most caught out. March. McTominay yeah, got so, done for pace. What, he, he, he got, to be fair, he got he, he got exposed one on one, and then just he was it, it, was, it was burned by Solomon. Was it was that the one just there or the one in the next league? I'm pretty sure that was the most recent one. Because there was in, there was one there, there was one that Marshall let a shot kind of through his wrist into the top corner. Perez scored it, I think. Manny Perez. Um, oh, actually, yeah, that might have been March's one. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Nations League one mm. was when McTominay got done for pace. He got skinned in the left side, side didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I think it has happened more than once. So that, to me, is a bit of a concern about having McTominay uh, in the defence. So it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. I think a lot's going to rest on McGregor, whether McGregor's fit as well, because he seems to like having the sort of two sitting midfielders. I think Gilmore takes one of those spots. And then I wonder if maybe Kenny McLean would come in to play the more McGregor role, sort of busting up and down role. Um, but that's all going to depend on how McGregor gets through the next few games, if he does play for Celtic the next few games. I think that the, what happened in the Denmark game might count, to, count against that because Scotland's midfield in that game was set up with ball retention in mind and it didn't happen really at all. And there was absolutely next to no attacking threat um, for the majority of what, the first hour probably against Denmark away from home. So I don't know if maybe somebody with a bit more attacking impetus would be needed in the midfield. Perhaps Stuart Armstrong, if he's fit enough to to start and drive through the midfield. McGinn, you'd expect, would be there anyway. Um, But I suppose Armstrong started against Czech Republic in the first game of the Euros, didn't he? And that didn't really work out so well. Uh, Who was he alongside at that point, was it? Um, Uh, McTominay was in midfield in the first game of the Euros. First game of the Euros, was he? So Christie and McGinn were also there. Mm. I suppose I suppose the one that will link whoever's up front will be will be McGinn, and I'd imagine that it will be Dykes and Shea Adams. You yep. think that it will be those two up front? I mean, you did well against Austria, didn't you? So, yeah, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting then to see who partners Gilmore. If it will be Callum McGregor, if he's fit, if McTominay is pushed up, if Clark does want to pick someone with more attacking drive in them. Although I can't see Armstrong starting this game, to be honest. Um, maybe it will be McLean, although he is more ball retention focused, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, I think those are probably the main two talking points from the squad announcement. Who replaces Hanley for the Israel game and what is he going to do with um, Callum McGregor returning from injury and Scott McTominay coming back into the fold who missed the last round of fixtures with an injury himself. Um, looking at the, the other ones that have pulled out, or not pulled out, sorry, have been omitted. Forrest, I suppose, a loss, but are you happy with Ryan Fraser being there. Uh, we'll come to you, Ben, on this one. Ryan Fraser, in despite playing very little football at Newcastle, does, does this sort of thing bother you anymore? Yeah, I've got to say, it doesn't with Fraser. For some reason, Fraser, for me, has always turned up for Scotland. He's There's something about him in a Scotland shirt. It just seems to click. So, And we've seen it before when he's not been playing that much for Newcastle, but he's come in and he's done really well for us. So I think if you're that kind of player and you've got that sort of skill and speed... Do you really need to be playing that regularly? Obviously, you would ideally, um, but I, I think I think he's in on the merit of what he's done for us previously. I think Clark really rates him as other managers have. We'll come to the, the Twitter questions. We put a tweet out earlier, Gordon, just saying that we were recording tonight. Anything you'd like to hear on the agenda? John Bleasdale, um, good contributor as always, asking with Greg Taylor out, should Clark have drafted in Hickey as cover for Robertson? given that Tierney is a assert, assert to start at centre-back. Um, he does proffer that this is maybe not 
the ideal doubleheader for such an experiment, but Hickey can probably feel unfortunate because he's doing well at Bologna. I think we can all agree it's great to see him flourishing out there at the moment. He's dislodged Dykes, as I think uh, Mitchell Dykes, not Linden, as their uh, first-choice left-back for the season. So it's great to see Hickey and getting his goal as well the other week. Um, tremendous stuff. Do you think that perhaps it's just a, a matter of when and not if, and when is just not now, Gordon? I would, yeah. I would, I would absolutely uh, think that. I mean, obviously, he is with the under-21s for their upcoming games, which I think I think is still is a good place for him to be. Um, I mean, he's he's still not actually played for the, for the under-21s yet. I think he's been called up once or twice and then pulled out through injury and stuff. So he's, he's, he's only got three caps for the, the under-17s so far at international level. So I think, yes, under-21s is the right place for him. He can play a couple of games. I'm absolutely sure that Steve Clark will be getting detailed reports from the under-21 coaching staff and they will be looking to integrate him into the first team shortly, I would be, I would fully expect. But I think at this stage of his development, you know, he's still, he's, you've know, you got to bear in mind, he's still only 19 years old, is Aaron Hickey. And obviously we are so well-stacked at left-back that I think it's probably better for him to be playing competitive games for the 21s rather than just coming and sitting on the bench for the for the for the first team so yeah obviously it's a it's a different situation on the other side of the defense with Nathan Patterson where there is more of a pathway to the starting slot at right back at right wing back for Scotland so yeah it's two similar players similar profiles similar experience but yeah different different pathways into this into the Scotland side Ben you're a fan of Hickey you're a jambo do you think that now's the time or just give it a wee bit more to be honest, I didn't see the uh, the issue with calling him up for this one, especially with Taylor being out. I mean, if Robertson was to get injured, I know that Tierney can play there, but does that then that then uh, impacts on the entire sort of system and the entire three centre backs? So, for me, I would have had him there as cover. I would have called him up. I'd have seen how he'd done with that group because I genuinely think that he's another special talent. I'm not saying he's up to sort of Gilmore level, but to me, he has that same sort of arrogance and that same sort of belief that. He totally can play at any level. And for me, he's showing that in the Serie A, um, which is a place that not many Scots go and do particularly well. If he's already doing that at 19, for me, I would be bringing him up to the, the senior squad. But I can understand what Gordon's saying in that he's guaranteed to play for the under-21s, which is obviously still very good experience as well. I just hope that it doesn't come back to bite us if Robertson was to get injured, even if he was to get injured during the Israel game, it would be a total reshuffle where if you had an out-and-out left-back available and ready to go, he could just come straight in. I wonder if there is plan to call someone up if Robertson is injured. They're just not including him in the initial squad and rather it will be a case of if Robertson is literally unavailable to play, then we will call in a spare left-back at that point. And I would imagine that Hickey is probably at, if not near, the top of the, the standby list for that position, you would imagine, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you would certainly think so. You would you would very much like to think that, given all the nightmares that we had with COVID and with testing and with calling folk up or, or attempting to call folk up and not being able to in the last group, that the Scottish FA and Clark will be very very <laughs> well versed in the rules of what they can and can't do. And you would also like to think, obviously speaking as an outsider, the fact that Hickey is coming up with the twenty ones and hopefully those sort of testing uh, deadlines could coordinate and it wouldn't it would be a simple process to remove him from the 21s and put him in the a squad if required um but yeah you would certainly like to think that there'll be a a, a, a b list on standby for sure that are ready to go um although just just one 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 thing to flag up you know we did um since the last qualifying matches uh uefa have confirmed the dates for the nation's league the next set of nation's league and um, the draw is on the 16th of december this year and these the, our matches start in june next year where we're going to have a quadruple header of matches where they're really squeezing it in because of the winter world cup next year um those games in june will basically be around aaron hickey's 20th birthday so frankly what better way to make your scotland debut than uh, yeah. than then fair point um, now, from one side of the back five to the other, Stephen O'Donnell is in there, so is Nathan Patterson. Now, it's, it's the Aberdeen fans that, I think it's a, a good debate, this one, a good, um, whatever your perception is on it, about Calvin Ramsey. Um, he's under 21s, I think, Gordon, isn't, isn't he? Calvin yeah. Ramsey, he certainly was last yeah. time, and he is again. Now, uh, Steve Clark has, has now said that 
he needs a bit more game time, uh, young Ramsey, and needs uh, to just develop his game. But I suppose that I think that's why Aberdeen fans are getting a wee bit annoyed because Patterson was picked with very similar amount of game time. Is it just a, a sort of ships in the night situation here, Ben, where Patterson was in the first team at Rangers before Ramsey was in the first team at Aberdeen and therefore just picked him at the line to get the, the first replacement for O'Donnell position? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I can understand Aberdeen fans' frustration, but I think you're talking, for me, Patterson is just a more talented fullback. And when you've played in the Europa League and you've played at Ibrox, you know, consistently, well, I know not consistently, maybe he hasn't played that many times, but there are just different levels of player. And for me, Patterson, when you saw him, and he's now made his debut for the, for the national team as well and totally looked, you know, totally at home. I just think he is he is one step ahead of Ramsey. There's absolutely no agenda against Ramsey. He's obviously a very talented, uh, decent prospect. But for me, Patterson is just further ahead in that pecking order. And for me, he will be the future right back until, you know, disposed by someone a lot more talented. Gordon, I think it would have been harsh to disregard Patterson after his impact on the game against Moldova. The, it was his run that led to Dykes' winning goal. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, again, this this feeds into what we're always talking about with Steve Clark, about the consistency and the development and the growth of this squad as a group. And I think I can understand why Aberdeen fans are a bit miffed because they look at just the sheer uh, minutes, first team minutes, and Calvin Ramsey's played more than Nathan Patterson. And if Steve Clark's saying that Nathan Patterson needs more minutes, well, how can he get more minutes? But Patterson's in the squad and he's with fewer minutes. That doesn't seem to make sense. On that point, there's there's, there's two, two arguments I would raise. The first one being that obviously Nathan Patterson came through one of the JD performance schools. So in terms of Scottish FA, Nathan Patterson has been very much on the radar for a very long time from a very young age. So, so they know everything there is to know about him. And obviously the second thing that is always going to be in Patterson's favour is that Patterson was in, it was in the Euro squad. So he's been around this squad working with them for for a long for a fairly significant amount of time even if though that's only resulted in one match so far starting against Moldova he's been in the squad and around it for quite a while and working with them so he he is further down the road to starting regularly for Scotland than Calvin Ramsey is unfortunately but Calvin Ramsey is still a very young player a very talented player and he's with the 21s which is a great place to be so let's just be happy that we've got yeah. two right backs yeah if, if Ramsey had broken into the Aberdeen team last winter or so, the same way that Patterson started getting games when Tavernier got injured for Rangers, then he might well have been the one that, that got called yep. up as the replacement. He may well have been. In, the, the SFA have known about him for years as well. He went to Hazelhead. Um, so he's been a JD performance school graduate. They, they know all about Ramsey. And and I think as the Aberdeen fans, I hope, will soon recognise, it's, it's just a matter of timing. And similar to Hickey, I think it is going to be when, not if. Because Ramsey, although he is playing... Um, first team, first choice football at right back this season. You, you absolutely make a good point, Gordon, that Patterson went to the Euros. He, he played in the last round of fixtures and was pivotal to Scotland beating Moldova. So although there may be um, grounds for argument to call up Ramsey, I think there are absolutely none for dropping Patterson. So how do you find that balance? is very hard. Yeah. Do you, know, do, you, do you know what I love? That we've spent years with this utterly, utterly... Uh, awful debate about Tierney and Robertson and now we've just inherited another decade's worth of the exact same debate on the other side <laughs> yeah you know, we would even if we hadn't we, we would have found a way to, to complain about something else you know what you know what it's like yes <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh, that's the the fullback situation covered with the, the Twitter uh, Twitter contributions also the Glenn Schroeder who was the one that proposed the question about Ramsey um, and Clark's comments about needing more game time. He's also saying with the fitness concerns over Armstrong and Callum McGregor just coming back to their games now, who would be on the midfield standby list for Scotland? And I suppose that ties in with a question from the Football Kit Memories podcast who are asking if we're frustrated that Ryan Gold's been overlooked again. Now, I know for a fact, an absolute fact, that Ryan Gold has been part of the discussion among the coaching staff uh, for the Scotland national team. It's just a, a cue thing. That there, there are players ahead of him in the pecking order, and that's it. They need to be injured or suspended at the moment, I think, for gold to be given the chance. And it's not a COVID thing because Canada's on the green list and he's started life well over there. It's just the fact that there's a pecking order 
and on all the players ahead of him at the moment that the coaching staff would rather have are, are fit. So um, are we frustrated, guys, that Gold has been overlooked? And who else might be on the midfield standby list should Turnbull, Armstrong, Callum McGregor, whoever, um, not make it? I can understand the uh, the queue system that you're talking about because the, the players that he's looking to get ahead of, you know, you would argue a Ryan Christie who has done brilliantly for Scotland over the last few years and has won himself deservedly a good move to Bournemouth. And David Turnbull, who continues to be Celtic's, arguably Celtic's best player, while they're still struggling. And at his age, you know, he still has a massive amount of growth um, to go on. So are you going to have more than two playmakers in your squad? I don't think so, not in a 24-man squad. So for me... Like you're saying, I think it's just a matter of time. You know, there will become a point where one of them is unavailable. We we're needing a playmaker, and that's when he'll get his chance. So, to me, it I'm not frustrated about it. I don't think that in the Israel game he would have played. So for, for me, it's not really worth getting hit up about this time around. Gordon, are there any midfielders in there that you feel that Gold should be ahead of in the queue and? If not, then who else is alongside him on the periphery for case of emergency? Yeah, this this is a really hard one, actually, because we, we do have such a settled midfield, which I think is a good thing. I think when you consider the fact that we're now into the sort of home stretch of a qualifying campaign, that's typically never a good time to be trying to integrate brand new players into a squad, into a system. So I think Ben's probably right. It probably isn't a great time. For someone like Ryan Gold to come in right now, looking beyond him though, I'm, I'm looking at the the players we've called up recently, and there's really not many options in 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 that centre midfield that you could actually think would would come in. I mean, there's 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 John Fleck who's now down in the English Championship. There's Ryan Jack who's obviously as we, as we said is injured. Um, can, I throw, can, I, can I throw can I throw a name at you, Gordon? Please do, please do, because I'm, I'm sinking here. Henderson. Yeah, again, another <clears throat> another guy who seems to who gets a fair bit of love, who's gone abroad and seems to have done pretty well for himself. You know, he obviously played against Aaron Hickey the other the other week. I think it was one of the first times that we've ever had two Scotland players playing against each other in Serie A, which was lovely to see. Um, yeah, but again, but but a big risk because not 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 not, not, not to bring in immediately. Mm. Sorry, but I mean, if, if yeah. are, like for example, if if it is a a tragic case of, of injuries and let's just say looking at the squad just now let's just say that for one international break we're, we're without McGinn Armstrong Turnbull and McGregor right God forbid mm-hmm. Ouch. yeah let's 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 it could happen it could happen um yeah, yeah you're, you're right we don't have too many just ready to jump in that have got loads of international experience I suppose Ryan Jack will come back which is not before time to be honest um, Ross McCrory's not really a midfielder anymore. John Flex just kind of mm-hmm. fallen away from the picture, hasn't he? So I suppose you'd be looking at Lewis Ferguson to step up um, in that sort of instance. Um, Gold, Liam Henderson. Yeah, Ben, any ideas? Yeah, no, I think like yes, I think Gold is definitely on the on the edge. You know, he's just and he he still has time. You know, he's still young enough. He it's not like he has to get in just now or he's never going to. So I think he is. You know, he's always looked like a brilliant player. I've always loved his technical ability. Um, so, you know, God forbid we were ever in that position where we lost that many players uh, in the next mm-hmm. few months. But yeah, he's he's definitely yeah. the next. He's definitely the next one in. Especially, yeah. especially when you look down at the the twenty one squad as well that we've called up, and there's quite a few guys in there that I think are very promising looking players and are could be very exciting players for Scotland in the future. But they're certainly at the earlier stages of their development. There's not many that are actually getting regular first-team football at the top level. I mean, there's Scott Banks at Crystal Palace, you know, who hasn't quite broken through yet. There's Louis Fiorini at Man City, who I know a lot of people are very excited about. He's now alone with Lincoln City. But beyond, like I said, there's there's not many guys in there that are playing first-team football. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I know that we, we, we are still sitting pretty comfortably. It's not like we're scrambling around here to try and find centre-mids. We've got maybe eight to ten capable centre-mids of international level, I would argue, but it's just in case of disaster where we're suddenly without three or four of them that we might think, Jinx, who do we drag, uh, draft in here? Um, yeah, so that's the, the midfield depth covered. Now, Ross Alexander is asking if Gordon gets injured um, or sent off, who comes in? And also he's asking, 
Ben, maybe this is one for you. Should Ryan Porteous be there? Uh, in terms of goalkeepers, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think I think Clark really rates uh, McLaughlin, um, and he does come in for Rangers quite a lot, obviously, um, when when needed. Kelly's Kelly's been good, and Motherwell have had a really good start to the season. So either or, uh, but to be, we just have to hope that nothing happens to Craig Gordon because he's just <laughs> been uh, he's been superb um, this season, um, and obviously did well for Scotland the last. The last round of fixtures. What was the other question? Sorry. About, um, oh, Porteous. Should, should, should Porteous be in? And I, I know that you've got uh, someone you prefer that wears maroon rather than Ryan Porteous. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go down that road of uh, one because they wear a certain coloured shirt. <laughs> um, I've, Porteous is strong for me. He is a good centre-back. A bit like Suter, I still think Still quite young. I don't. I don't think we need to throw them into the centre backs um, positions just yet. I think that's somewhere where you really need some experience, um, especially going into such big crunch games. Um, you could make an argument for either of them being called up, but I wouldn't have expected either of them to have played over these two games. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm not certain. I think Suter. I think has a real good shot at international level because he's so good with the ball at his feet. Um, but that that will all depend on whether he can he can stay fit or not. Gordon, any place for Ryan Porteous at the moment? Not just now, but again, I think I think with both of those guys named with Suter and Porteous, I think the perfect the absolute perfect time to be bringing integrating them into the squad is going to be Nations League games. So if they if they continue what they're doing, they continue playing at a good level, SPFL Premiership, and they stay fit and they stay healthy through this season. It comes to the end of the season, June, we've got a quadruple header. Um, what what better time to be integrating you guys into a squad then? Right. Well, now we need to move on. I should probably start playing some Jaws music or something at this stage because someone has sent us a question about Zahavi um, and how do we stop him? Israel's main man up front who just hastily Googled his transfer market stats here. Now, overall for Israel... He has scored 31 goals in 67 caps, which is phenomenal if you just look at that without context. But the amount that he has scored in the last round or the last few rounds of international games is is frightening. I can see at least four hat tricks in there um, since 2009 autumn. Sorry, March 2019, he scored four hat tricks for Israel, um, and he's. Just thankfully, he missed the penalty against us that was saved in the semi-final. He's also scored against us, um, though. He is a danger man. There's no two ways about it. Who should we deploy in midfield? Eh, sorry, in defence to stop Aaron Zahavi, Gordon? Yeah, this is such a good question. I saw that question come in because I know exactly who sent it in. It's a guy I used to work with, Barry. So thanks for putting us on the spot there Baz <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a really difficult question but it is one that Steve Clark needs to find an answer to and I guess my answer would be that what we have to do is we have to just we have to play a confident game from the start of the game from the back of the team to the front of the team we have to find a way to just dominate possession and just starve him a service I mean you know, we saw in the last in the last uh, international break. You know, Denmark absolutely blew Israel away. You know, and it, it just didn't get a sniff. So, as as much as this is a decent Israel side, and Zahavi is a is a top talent, and they've got one or two other guys that are standouts. You know, we've we've mentioned their names already in the in the pod. I've just got to think that a full Hamden, the atmosphere, the team are on a roll. We need to just go out and be confident, you know. And I'm, I really, I'm gonna re- get really annoyed if I start to see in the media us turning Israel into more than what they are. And we've done it, and we've we've, we've already done it. And I think that has. Not, is there not is there not proof of that, Gordon? Because we don't beat them regularly. No, we don't. We don't. But I think Denmark have shown that they're nothing massively special. Like they they're a good side, and they can hurt you if you let them. But but we're I think we're quite a good side as well. You know, and and I feel like I'm I'm worried it's becoming a mental block about Israel. I really am. Similar. I don't want a Georgia on our hands, do we? Here, um, yeah. The, but it's not the it's not the possession as much that that bothers me, Gordon. It's the transitions. I feel like if Israel were to win the ball around the centre circle, and suddenly they're 
they're facing our defence, who are backtracking. Even though we are looking a bit more organised and compact now, if the three of them are moving forward at pace, that is when, like, in, in the blink of an eye, they could be past us and in one-on-one. That's yeah. the sort of thing that scares me about them. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about us gifting it to them constantly or them passing us off the park. It's, it's that moment where we do play a loose pass and they pounce and suddenly it's Zahavi, mm-hmm. Solomon or maybe De Boer through the middle that are the ones that are looking to take advantage of it. That That is the, the scary thing for me. So I'm not sure how... Yeah, you're right. I, I think, I th- I think the, the, one, the one thing that I'm clutching to is that Billy Gilmore's never played against Israel. You know, as much as we've played against Israel quite a lot, Billy Gilmore hasn't. And if you look at Gilmore's stats from the last three games, you know, his defense, his passing was phenomenal. Everyone loved to focus on his passing and the way he progressed the progressed the play. But his defensive stats, his tackling, his interceptions, his duels were actually really good as well. So, I, th- I think he can be a very big player for us in the in this game. Ben, you're not quite having sleepless nights about Zahavi yet, but he's certainly one to watch. Yeah, I think the fear with Israel for me is that they'll be quite happy to sit off us and let us have possession because. They're not that fussed about having the ball all the time. As you say, it's all about the speed of the transition into attack. Um, so we're going to have to just be really switched on. We're going to need our best players. You know, We're going to need Tierney and Robertson to have a phenomenal game. We're going to need Gordon probably to claw us out with a few big saves. But like Gordon says, they're, they're not unbeatable and it's going to be a sold-out Hamden. We're coming in off the back of a really good um, uh, international break. So... You know, if we can't be confident now, then I don't really know when we can. We really have to go and take the game to them. We've got Billy Gilmore, as you say, pulling the strings in midfield. You know, there's there's there are things to fear, obviously, with them. But if we play as well as we can and we put in the kind of performance that we've seen against Austria, um, you know, against Serbia away, you know, we we really can beat teams of this size. So, fingers crossed, we can uh, we can manage it. Now, Gordon, you've come up with a little fun concept here, looking back at recent do-or-die games for Scotland where almost everything was on one solitary game. Now, that's not quite the case because even if we do beat Israel, we've still got to go and complete the job against two, um, suppose, lesser opposition teams, which we've not been all that great at doing over the past wee while until Steve Clark came into the, the role as manager. Now, the... The most recent one I think that you could draw some sort of parallel would be losing 2-1 against Russia for Euro 2020 qualifying. If we'd won, we would have drawn level and points with them with five games to to play. They wiped the floor with us really after we took the lead, John McGinn scored. Um, But there was still a significant amount of the the group to go at that point. So I'm not sure that that's quite... um, in the same category as what's going to come against Israel next week when there's only three games left. But one that definitely falls into the must-win, no-alternative bracket is the 1-0 game against Slovakia, qualifying for 2018 World Cup, where we had to beat them and then go and take care of Slovenia in the following game. And the atmosphere after that one, Gordon, was was phenomenal. The build-up to it was huge. Hamden was packed the, the same way that I'm sure it was going to be against Israel. It sold out. And when that goal went in, two minutes to go, and then the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, was just absolute carnage. Yeah, it, it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that that whole year under Gordon Strachan in 2017 was just, it felt like we were drinking in the last chance saloon every single game, because obviously we had dropped quite a lot of points early in that group. You know, we started with beating Malta away from home, which was great, and then we drew against Lithuania at home, we then lost away from home in Slovakia and at Wembley, both 3-0 results, which were just really, really dispiriting results. And yeah, 2017 was the year that Gordon Strachan sort of struck upon this novel concept of put all the invincible Celtic players you can in the same team and just watch them do what they do for Celtic, which, <laughs> funnily enough, worked quite well. Um, but yeah, again, what, what was nice that year was that with each game, the attendance kind of got bigger and bigger because we had... Slovenia at home that we had to win, which we did. We had Malta at home, which we beat. And then the England game, obviously, we've spoken about before. We went away from home to Lithuania and won 3-0, which was actually a really impressive yeah. result. But yeah, that, that game against Slovakia was a phenomenal game. Uh, they went down to 10 men quite early. You know, it was 23rd minute that Robert Mack got his second yellow card. But even then, it was one of those games where we could have and should have won the game far before the end of the game. But unfortunately, we were up against 
Robert Dubravka, uh, Dubravka who, uh, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and he had an absolutely sensational game that night. And then towards the end of the game, obviously, there was a, a bit of a shameful incident where that was the game that Chris Martin was booed when he came on, which I thought was really, really quite shameful. He'd already scored. Was, he'd already ah, no, wait, no, the no, that was against Slovenia he got booed. It was in Slovenia. He got booed on. Against, course, and yeah. then he scored the winner about 15 minutes later. Uh, yes. Yes. That was yeah, glorious. Yeah, that, that, that was that. Yeah. Slovenia's and Slovakia's mixed up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, this one here, Chris Martin was at, was at the heart of it. You know, obviously uh, it was... Uh, Griffiths who slipped in Ikechianya down the wing who then pulled it across and eventually went down as a scurtle own goal but he was forced into the mistake by Chris Martin piling in and yeah, yeah just the atmosphere for the goal and the atmosphere afterwards was absolutely yeah. brilliant there's there's nothing like that really and not just a late goal for Scotland but an, an important one like, there was so much on the line Ben and I would draw parallels with the, the one against Poland that Stephen Fletcher scored we were 1-0 down uh, Lewandowski scored in the first couple of minutes and Ireland were playing Germany and we thought, right, well, if we can win, surely it'll fall our way in the other game. It didn't. Um, so there were two qualifying games uh, and two qualifying campaigns consecutively. It went down really to the, the final game and, and we one of them was in our hands. We had to beat Slovenia to get into the, uh, the playoff and then one before that we had to beat Poland, which we were doing until the final second and hope that Ireland were beaten by um, by Germany, which never materialised, which is still really frustrating to think about, to be honest. Um, so yeah, the, the Poland one as well, Ben, was was phenomenal. Fletcher's curling effort past the goalkeeper into the top corner. The, uh, watching that one on YouTube, and similar to the Griffiths moment against England, where the camera kind of pans out slightly, and you can see the part where the north stand joins the, the west stand, just a pandemonium in there. There's a, it's very similar, the Fletcher one, the People are just falling all over each other. And the noise is, you just can't beat it as a football fan. It's the same with the, the scuttle and goal. The, the noise when it goes in is, is spine tingling, really. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that it was Richie scored a, a peach in that Poland game as well? I stroke at half time. I think, I think we'd been dying in the first half, to be honest, against Poland. And then that came from absolutely nowhere. And suddenly we were level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was brilliant. I I I actually watched that Matt Ritchie goal again this weekend. I was on a stag do with some mates from Newcastle, and we were watching the New, the Newcastle Watford game. And obviously, Matt Ritchie was playing, so it got me reminiscing about that goal <laughs> and pulled it up on YouTube and watched it again. I, I think for me, it's probably the best Scotland goal I've ever seen scored live. Um, I'm pretty sure it won Scottish yeah. FA's goal yeah. of the season that year. Um, because again, the, I think the 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 timing you you mentioned there couldn't have been better. The fact that. We'd gone behind after three minutes to Lewandowski and atmosphere was starting to wane a little bit in the stadium. And then the fact that we scored that just on the brink of halftime, halftime whistle goes and the atmosphere for the crowd was just rocking all the way through halftime. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was a great moment, that one. Uh, but sadly, we didn't keep our end of the bargain in that instance. We did against Slovakia, but then failed to complete the job against Slovenia. Um, yeah, we, we were so close against Poland and it would have been immaterial anyway, which is some solace maybe. But is it the, the fact that we blew it? It wouldn't have mattered even if we'd won. Would that have been sore then if, if we'd held on against Poland and then it turned out that um, the Ireland result had played out in the same way against Germany? It's kind of like deciding which way to die, isn't it? I think there's no there's no, there's no no ideal way. I think it, it would have been nice to have not had that sort of, you had that immediate sinking feeling when they equalised. That was just like, when you look back at some of these other do or die games, there's been so many where it's been last minute. It's been a last minute penalty, a last minute winner against us. So it would have been nice to have not had that that feeling again, but then would it have been worse to have realized that all of that was then for nothing? I don't know which is worse. Um, but yeah, you, Gordon, you said that that Richie goal was the best that you'd seen. I was thinking, you know, in terms of two goals in a Scotland game, those two, because the Fletcher one was so good as well. Um, and I really enjoyed the Fletcher one because he'd had so much stick as well. Yeah. So, you know, to score a Perla in a really important game, that was like a massive, you know, massive kudos to him. Um, so, yeah, but as yeah. as so often happened in these crunch games, and what maybe makes me a little bit worried about the Israel game is that you look at so many of them and it's it's a dodgy, a dodgy free kick for the Italy one, you know, a dodgy penalty against the Czech Republic. There's been so many that have been totally out of our hands. 
um, mm. you know, I think, keeping I think, separate I th- against us. I think I think as well though, if you if if you're looking for sort of a common thread that that knits these games together, oftentimes it's we concede early and we concede very late. I mean, you look at the Italy game is the exact same when we concede after ninety seconds and then concede right at the death. The Poland game, Lewandowski scores in the third and ninety fourth minutes. You know, you go back to in George Burley's time. We played the Netherlands at home in our final qualifier where we had to win to get a playoff and. Elias scores in the 82nd minute, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there was the Czech Republic game under Levine when they scored a very, very late equaliser from the penalty spot. So, yeah, it, I, I really fear that next Saturday is going to be a very long night. And I hope it's not. I hope we're 2 0 up by half time and we can cruise the second half. But that, it, that gives me the fear. The Czech Republic win is the first, and I'd watched Scotland for a good few years before that campaign. I mean, I I was going to games when Craig Brown was the manager, but I was in that Czech Republic game. I would have been seventeen or eighteen. I, that is the first time I remember being absolutely furious at a ref. I, 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 I even the Italy game. I don't remember it being so bad because I I knew that well we we had got away with it I think a wee bit because they had a goal ruled out that shouldn't have been and ours was mm-hmm. offside so even though yeah their winning goal came from a free kick that never should have been we rolled with the punches in that one um, whereas the, the game against the Czech Republic that poor Danny Wilson penalised for nothing they didn't touch uh, the, the striker yeah. uh, Razak I think his name was and and then they they buried the penalty and we went up the other end and tried to win a dodgy one ourselves, Christoph Berra. That's the first time that I remember being furious at a referee, like hating him really. And I was like, the guy's just made a mistake. Everyone makes a mistake now and again. You know, he's just called it wrongly. But that, no, that was uh, the worst I felt uh, I Scott, uh, watching a Scotland game for, for a long time, that one. And the, the moment when Fletcher scored that goal to put us two and up probably around 10 minutes to go maybe Gordon um, or something at that point against Czech Republic the, the great through ball from Kenny Miller mm-hmm. that was that was that, those were the days when it was Saturday afternoon at Hamden and it felt like a proper event rather than um, Thursday evenings Monday evenings and stuff like that you know and I, I think I speak for everyone when I say it would be better if it was just back on Saturday afternoons like that but it felt like everyone converged on the city and around Mount Florida in the stadium to, to go to the game and Hamden was was Absolutely full that day against the Czech Republic. It was, it was just so frustrating the way that that, that uh, played out for us because a win would have seen us two points behind the Czech Republic with a game in hand towards the end of, of that campaign. Yeah, it was. It has to be the most blatant dive. You know, you you see them. We've had bad decisions against us, but it was just, it was almost so blatant that you feared. You just you just thought that it couldn't possibly be given, and then it was. It's mm-hmm. such a pivotal mm-hmm. moment. And then, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe Michael Lewis, maybe. Yeah, true. Yeah, we Michael have Lewis we have had some stinkers. Well. <laughs> we had some stinkers, to be fair. But then, yeah, Barra goes up the other end, and yes, he tries to buy it, but there is still contact. So you'd, you'd think, okay, at least even it up, and obviously he doesn't. So yeah, I can totally understand the feeling of hatred. But when you look back at that Italy one as well, that one, I still that one still gives me nightmares, and I just. I, it, it makes me angry just to think about it, the way that Hutton was just barged off the ball and then it was a free kick for them. It was just, again, that was one that you just couldn't actually believe had actually been given that way. Um, but you kind of learn early on following Scotland that that is, you have to you have to get used to these things. I, I, really, I really hope that because we were robbed of it against Israel with the, the pandemic and the semi-final that we do it this time and, and build the game up pre-match and, and we get Hamden looking full about half an hour at least before kickoff. so when the boys are out doing their warm-up you know everyone's there and the atmosphere is building I don't think we've got the type of players now that would shrink at that I think we've got the guys that are used to big game um, exposure down south with, um, with Celtic and there's only Patterson from Rangers and, and McLaughlin if he plays um, this time but I think that we've got boys now that are used to big occasions and if we can get some sort of atmosphere similar to the game against Italy I would love it if I know that, that we're obligated to play the certain anthems now when the teams come out um, from UEFA and FIFA and whatnot, but I would love it if Insomnia was given the, the go again before like just before the teams are preparing to come out because I think that as far as music goes, there can't be many better that 
that put you in the mood for a massive game like that. Um, I know that 500 miles is a good laugh. Bits and pieces has its purpose and, and various other ones. Rocking all over the world is a great sing-along tune, probably more for halftime. But see, just as the teams are getting ready to come out, Gordon, I would love Insomnia to come back. Yeah, so would I. Um, and I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, actually, the, the pre-match before the Moldova game, you know, where they sort of debuted that new fancy new light show, the new disco lights, if we're going to have to call them that. Um, obviously, it, it was still quite bright at that time against uh, Moldova. Hopefully against Israel, you're looking at being a bit gloomier come a five o'clock kickoff. Yeah, if if they've got that light show going with Insomnia Faithless, I think it could just send the stadium to a different planet. Um, it would be, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Um, but I, I think, do you know what, the, the, the game against Moldova, I thought, I thought the atmosphere was really good inside Hamden. You know, I thought, yeah, it was probably the best Scotland atmosphere that I've been in in quite a while. It seemed really positive and there was a lot of singing during the game and I think we're ready. I think we're finally ready that we've got a fan base that can match the team on the pitch in terms of what we're all putting into it. You know, I, th- I think this could be a really, really good night for Scotland. We will soon see and we'll converge again, uh, convene, sorry, again and discuss who can replace who when inevitably we're hit by a few injuries. But, you know, I think that it's true that when the big games come around, the the injuries get more infrequent and lesser and because players want to be involved, you get fewer visits to the physios room because nobody wants to flag up a potential problem. They're the ones that want to be playing in these games. So we'll maybe get a better idea just of um, just how fit everyone is when it comes to uh, probably Tuesday, uh, Wednesday next week when the squads are together. And maybe some of the guys that we've spoken about in defence and midfield will be called up to replace the ones that, that aren't fit if it, if it comes to that. But yeah, even just talking about it now, guys, I'm starting to get excited. I don't know about you, but I think I've said to you before that normally I, I look forward to a game, but I don't get the buzz until really normally the night before or the day of it. But even just talking about it now, I'm starting to... Like my legs are tapping under the table. I'm starting to get that that way already. So yeah, God knows what we'll be like this time next week, one day, one day to go. So thanks for joining me as usual, joining the listeners as well, Ben and Gordon. Next time. Thanks, one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Let's do it. Sports Social Podcast Network.